What's up, folks? I'm Cameron Mahorn, a.k.a. The Blurred Girl, culture journalist and critic parked at the intersection of geekdom and diversity. Hey, y'all, I'm Chuck Collins, comic book artist and horror connoisseur. And this is Pop Paranormal from Travel Channel, where we take you from the scary screen to behind the scenes of the most talked about horror movies and shows. So if you follow me on social media, you know I am not a huge slasher fan. I have a love-hate relationship with slasher films, but I think Chuck is a fan. You would think that. Well, because there's always somebody screaming on your TV. Like, there's always something (laughs) screaming in this house and you're watching it. No, it's actually not my preferred genre of horror at all. But I'm beginning to warm up to them a little bit, especially after the last Halloween movies that came out. But you like all kinds of screaming and yelling and body parts flying. So I thought you really liked that kind of thing. Yeah, well, when it's supernatural or paranormal, you know, give me a good werewolf movie, you know, a good like demon slashing people, then I'm I'm there. But this, you know, it's but just the killer is. doesn't do it for you. It's a dude. <laughs> It's just a dude with a blunt object, and I could beat him up. That's the bouncer in you that just wants to punch people. And it's kept me alive this long. (laughs) Well, since it's October, or Ghosttober, as we like to call it around here, we are going to be talking about the Halloween franchise, which is actually a holiday classic and one of the most enduring and patient killers in the history of horror cinema. Yeah. I mean, the dude waited 60 years to kill somebody. You're not the shape of evil. You're the shape of annoyance. (laughs) I mean, all jokes aside, like, you know, there I stopped counting Halloween movies after three because three wasn't even, there's like several million of them. Well, I think there's 12 altogether. And there's another one about to drop. I think my issue with the Halloween uh, franchise is that it's almost like the Halloween cinematic universe. There are so many movies and they go from scary to absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It's the, the multiverse of Michael Myers' madness. It's like, I was, <laughs> Doctor Strange would have went up in there was like, yo, this is really another alternative reality? I'm leaving. <laughs> what are we doing here? We're going to get into the boy who's the real-life inspiration behind Mike Myers, even a bit about the ancient ritual that plays a huge role in the series, and we have a guest. So today we're obviously talking about the Halloween franchise, but I just want to caveat this. We are not going to be really touching on Rob Zombie's Halloween or Halloween 2 or Season of the Witch because those are kind of their own canon. Fight me in the comments. And as usual, we are going to spoil everything like a three-month-old rotting pumpkin, so be warned. Now, the first Halloween movie was directed by John Carpenter in 1978 and co-written by Deborah Hill. But... The story actually took place in 1963 and followed six-year-old Michael Myers, for who for some reason is dressed like a clown, and kills his older sister on Halloween night. He is committed to a sanitarium, escaped 15 years later, and goes back to the scene of the crime in Haddonfield, Illinois, and becomes obsessed with Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, at first, it doesn't make any sense because she just seems like a random babysitter. But then you find out later that she's actually his sister that was born since he was, like, inside the sanitarium. And this starts a serial killer arc where he starts killing everyone around Lori trying to get to him. The only person trying to stop him is his psychiatrist, Dr. Samuel Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance, as well as some bungling cops who... It doesn't work out. It doesn't work (laughs) out for any of them, actually, which is why we got 12 more movies out of it. 
Right. So we've got the creepy kid trope again. <laughs> yep. Just like, you know, Danny from from The Shining. I don't know why we can't stay away <laughs> from these creepy children. Come get your kids. Come get your kids. Exactly. Please. Now, we don't have time to go through the plot of every single Halloween film, but what you should know is that most of the franchise is linked to either the Myers family or the house that the original killing happened in. So like Halloween 4 has the daughter of Lori, Jamie Lloyd. Halloween 5 has Tommy Doyle, played by Ant-Man's Paul Rudd, who's actually the little boy Lori babysat in the first movie. Yeah. And even the craziest version, Buster Rhymes and Tyra Banks, that were in the reality horror show version, which was Halloween Resurrection, was taking place in the house again. So for some reason, they cannot get out of this house. And I think that was your favorite one, wasn't it, Buster Rhymes? I really love that part because Buster Rhymes grew up on the same block that I did from East Flatbush, Brooklyn. So to see him try to give Michael Myers a Brooklyn beatdown was the best part of the whole movie for me. <laughs> hey, Mikey! Happy fucking Halloween! <laughs> but you mentioned that through all of this, you really didn't come back to the Halloween franchise until Blumhouse took over and really made you appreciate it. Now, is that because right. the Blumhouse version ignored all the other versions and yeah. just paid attention to the first one? Or was it something else? I think it went back to John Carpenter's original concept of Michael Myers being the shape. The shape of evil, which is an ideal. You can't kill a thought. You can't kill ideas and you can't kill action. You know, so you know, this is the thing that gave Michael Myers the dark presence that he was. And I thought, you know, the Bloomhouse movies retconned all of that and decided to say, we're going to stick with this concept. And I think they did it really well in the first two movies. So Halloween was in 2018 because Copyright and trademarks don't mean anything to these people. Everybody's calling it Halloween. Um, the second one was Halloween Kills, which was in 2021. Mm -hmm. And we were anxiously awaiting what the third installment is going to be. Yeah. Now, I'm curious as to what John Carpenter's inspirations were for mm -hmm. the original, you know, franchise and what he thinks is going to happen with Halloween Ends. We're going to talk about the inspirations for John Carpenter's Halloween. Now, as you all know, Halloween, the holiday, is based on the Festival of Samhain, which is, you know, in Celtic traditions. That's how you say that. Yeah. I've been saying, I've been saying Samhain all this time. <laughs> yes. I remember from the old Ghostbusters cartoon when they fought Samhain and they contained them. I kept on hearing the name, Sam Hayes. Like, oh, that's that dude, the pumpkin head. That's cool. But it's actually Samhain. Okay, yeah. so we just learned something today. There you go. Um, the more you know. <laughs> but you talked about the shape of evil and one of the things from the concept of Halloween. Yeah. Evil just changes shape, but it doesn't die. Mm -hmm. And Halloween is one of those holidays where the veil between both worlds is thinnest. But I also think that I'm trying to think back to when this movie came out. The it's first from the 70s, 70s and the 80s. Yeah. Everybody was talking about like demons and Satan causing everything. I feel like it was yeah, like that was... devil's music. D, D, D was a problem. 
that was like more of like towards the mid 80s. Around this time during 78, we were still in that little era coming out of, you know, Woodstock, the civil rights movement. So that wasn't really being spoke about. Fast forward to like 84, 85, and all these things start happening. Conservatives are losing their minds talking about, yo, we need to blame the movies, the music. If you watch right. Freddie, you're a Satanist. You played Dungeons and Dragons, you're a Satanist. She listened to Megadeth, you're a Satanist. You're a Satanist. <laughs> right? yeah, it, was a, it was a satanic yeah, panic. That's all it was. And I think what Hollywood did was play into this with movies like Halloween. Absolutely. So some of the inspiration was sort of coming from the reality of the pop culture we were living in. Also, mm-hmm. I believe Carpenter had some real world inspirations as well. Like he went on a class trip in college. I don't know who goes on a class trip to a mental yeah, institution, but I mean, apparently that it must happened. have been something he was studying. I don't. I have no <laughs> idea why that would be a thing. But he ran into a little boy that had like dead, dark eyes and like a cold face like Mike Myers. That inspired Mike Myers for him, which is interesting because you really only see Mike Myers' eyes in the movie because he's always wearing a mask. Right. Um, The other thing that was an inspiration was apparently Haunted Houses, which I think is funny because you would never have caught me in there. Nope. Nope, (laughs) we don't don't play that. That's one thing that you have to understand. Both of us come from West Indian backgrounds. I'm Haitian. She's from Bermuda. And our families don't play that. Yeah, it's just it's mm -mm. just a cultural thing. But I do get that feeling as the maze through the house. That concept is very like disorienting. And I think that's what that what that uh, comes from. But yeah, there would it would be a very different movie if if Haitians were in it. (laughs) No, exactly. When it comes down to it, I, I think. You know, Halloween would have been a very boring movie had the main characters been a Haitian family. Michael would have probably, you know, or even a ghost would have probably showed up as the shape of evil. And then the, the Haitian father would be like, okay, we're going, we're leaving right now. We <laughs> right going. now. And, and, and basically the rest of the movie would be the father arguing with the bank and the realtor to get his money back. And it would become a heartwarming story about immigrant parents trying to raise their kids here in the States. And it's not a horror movie and then, the, oh and, then, and then, you know, Michael Myers or whatever ghost or paranormal thing that was trying to attack him is just a footnote. It just, it would, it would win an Academy Award. Oh my it God. It really would. I could see it right now. <laughs> and, and you just gave your whole movie away. One of the things that I also think is interesting about the franchise as a whole is that Michael Myers, after a while, wasn't the only villain. So... Who do you think is a real villain in Halloween? Is it Mike Myers? Is it someone else? We'll discuss those theories and more with our guest, Tammy Chavez, and talk about a character we'd like to knock some sense into. Today, we have Tammy Merhab Chavez, host of Holly Weird Paranormal. Welcome to Pop Paranormal. Oh, I love the paranormal. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's like we're paranormal cousins. We're so happy. (laughs) Exactly. We're all family. Mm -hmm. We are. So before we get into our discussion of Halloween, I have a very important question. (laughs) And I need to know, do you really live next to a haunted museum? Not next to it, but 15 minutes away from it. Yes. (laughs) And I've actually investigated this museum twice. And the second time was so scary and interesting. 
So the museum is called Sugar Mint Museum. It's in Old Town, mm-hmm. South Pasadena. And it's next to the Mike Myers house. It's next to the house that they actually used in Halloween. Oh, wow. my gosh. So, yes, you can go visit the house. And I think if you know someone who knows someone, you can actually tour inside the house. And it doesn't look anything like uh, the house from the first couple of Halloweens. Like it was all white, but they repainted right. it and they restructured it to preserve it. But you could go and take oh, pictures. Wow. Oh, my God. That's incredible. It's so incredible. And South Pasadena is the location where they shot a majority of the uh, Halloween films. So they use a lot of the exteriors for part one and I think part two as well. Now, see, this is why I'm so happy you're here because you have all those juicy tidbits <laughs> of what is... happens behind the scenes. I'm just concerned <laughs> for you, Tammy, because you are surrounded by spooky stuff. Oh, I love it. I'm originally from New Orleans, so I was born around oh. the spooky baby. So okay, so oh yeah, you know. Wait, and you know he's what Haitian, to mess with. So yeah, here we I'm go. Haitian. Here we so go. you know what to mess with and what not to mess with. Exactly. You know you, you know your boundaries. Good. I good, know. Good. When you mess with the universe, it's gonna mess with you right back. So I have to this is this is like incredible Halloween lore. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really curious. What was the first Halloween movie that you saw? Was it the very first one that came mm-hmm. out? And what did you think? Oh, I was eight or nine. I snuck into the living room while my sister and her boyfriend were sitting on the couch making out. That's how I was introduced to a lot of horror films. So I was introduced to The Thing, uh, Texas Chainsaw, Friday the 13th, and Halloween. (laughs) I think it was then that Tammy knew that I had like a place in my heart for the tall, dark, silent, and violent types all of a sudden. So I love Jason (laughs) and I love Mike Myers. But 1978 (laughs) Halloween did it for me. I like, I was just like, whoa, wow. like he's in a mask and he's able to do all these crazy things. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how I was introduced to Halloween. And then eventually it just carried on watching these films from the door frame of the living room <laughs> into the television. So it was really, really right. wonderful. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of the sequels? I call it the HCU, the Halloween Cinematic Universe. Because, but yeah. I'm curious what you think of all of these different movies, or if you acknowledge them, because there's a lot of people who are purists. I loved Halloween all the way up to possibly three or four. And then everything after, I was like, okay, I'm getting a little burnt out. I was a yeah, little disappointed with Rob Zombie's rendition of it, especially how he portrayed Loomis in that film. Because he just created Loomis to be a big D-bag in a way. Yeah, he did. He really did. So hopefully by Halloween ends, we'll see what happens to Miguel Myers. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Miguelito. (laughs) (laughs) So now Chuck and I regularly discuss fan theories in here on our show. So we want to dig into a few. But I want to ask you, what is the craziest Halloween fan theory that you have ever heard. Oh, simple. He's a cyborg. <laughs> Never yes, heard that. Chuck, there you heard is, that? Yes. It was like, it's like yes, Terminator please, please explain. in small town. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so absurd. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the rendition I heard, he was in a different universe created and then teleported into the Halloween universe and as a boy was adopted and thus he became Mike Myers. So <laughs> the unstoppable. See, it's funny because I heard different. I heard that that's the way that they try to tie in Halloween 3, which is Season of the Witch. They said that Michael Myers had like an experimental chip in the mask that he had from Mm -hmm. the mask company that made all that stuff. And then he died 
like after the first one, and then the, the, the cult of Thorn came in along oh with the major gosh. corporation, took How them and turned them into a cyborg. Red. That's what I heard. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is a really good Ant-Man. theory. Ant Man. Yes, <laughs> and he beat him like in that in the one with Paul Rudd. He beat him so bad, like he was spewing green goo. Yes, like where did, it was like mad random. I was like, so what are you made of, Michael? At this point, like, exactly. tell us something. What's going on? <laughs> That's where people are like, no, I knew it. I knew it, dude. He was a cyborg. Or he was probably a yeah. bad batch of the exactly. MK Ultra experiments. I'm like, no, I think cyborg is better. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, now we've talked about a few fan theories already, but there's some more that we want to run through with you. Now, one theory is the fact that Mike Myers is not human. And this makes sense because in the credits, he's listed as the shape and not Mike Myers. So, Tammy, what do you think about that theory? I think that's a really good theory because what is he? Towards the end, you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, is he really a cyborg or could he be an entity? Could he actually be this physical ghost? Maybe he had possessed someone else, a spirit, as we've seen in the past Halloweens. And we've seen in, you know, other films like Jason. Jason's character was able to do that with one of the characters, possess one of the characters. Yeah, so we could see that play into Halloween as well. No, definitely. I mean, look, I have grown to love Halloween for what it is now. Because I remember watching the first one, much like you, when I was younger. I had no business watching that movie. (laughs) And when I... I saw it and I was like, oh my God, that dude is scary. But then as I grew older and saw the rest of them, I was like, this ain't nothing but an invisible white man with the mask of another white man from (laughs) outer space just going, why can't nobody kill him? To me, I understand the horror of it, Mm -hmm. but it didn't make me scared. I was like, I'm just going to take a baseball bat and beat this dude down. Now, just to be clear, Chuck was a bouncer for years on Lori's side. So that's his general, anybody that's drunk and wobbly, that's kind of his reaction. But it made, like, yeah, it was crazy. But to me, when when I started realizing, you know, what he represented, because we had examples in other movies, much like you mentioned Jason, like, in the first movie, we don't see Jason till the end. And he's a dead kid that comes out. I was like, oh, okay, so you're a zombie paranormal kind of thing. Right. Freddy Krueger lived in your dreams. He came from a hell dimension. Mm-hmm. But Mike, bruh, you just some dude. Like, that but was the thing e- that got but, but the thing that is clear throughout all of the Halloween movies right. is that he is evil. That's the Whether thing. or not he's human or not. I think they made him more human in the Blumhouse versions. Yeah. But, like, yeah. he is... I mean, Carpenter even said he's just pure and simple evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another one that I heard that's really interesting, that Myers has an undiagnosed condition called solipsism syndrome. Now, I don't know if solipsism is real or not, but I've heard of it before. That's the thing where somebody doesn't believe there is any reality outside of their own mind. Reality only exists in their brain, but the things that they see are not real. So he thinks reality is his imagination. That's a stretch. But what do you think, Tammy? I think that's a pretty good stretch, too. I also read, too, that he could suffer from the congenital medical condition where it, you can't mm. feel pain, physical pain, as you can see him being stabbed, I believe that. pushed, ran over. Because this man right. won't die. I know. He's been exploded. <laughs> Just say it. I know. Everything. The only thing that can kill him is kung fu. And it's only from from Buster if Rhymes. Buster Rhymes does it. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Trick or treat, motherfucker. 
<laughs> it must have been in his contract. Like, I don't yeah, sign. Con- that was definitely in his contract. That was like, he was like, he, so he came into the, the office like, yo, y'all want me to be in this movie? I ain't dying. And that was it. Like, <laughs> he was like, there was a rumor that he was going to come back with the real housewife of Orange County, Kyle Richards, and of course, Anthony Hall. So I was like, ooh, with my popcorn, ready to see this, but no. Oh, let's go. <laughs> let's go. I'm down for it. That's hilarious. That's true. There's so many people that have been cast in this movie. The other thing I heard, which was really interesting, was Loomis created Michael. Ooh. Loomis describes him as pure evil from the beginning, but he actually wasn't, that he was remorseful, and that the whole concept is that Loomis, being his psychologist, convinced him and drew this out of him and said, no, he's actually evil. Like, he pulled him to the dark side. He had high midichlorians, and they just decided that they were going to pull. <laughs> they wanted him oh, to yes. be a Sith. <laughs> Dolph so, Michael. And that Loomis kind of groomed him. What do, you, what do you think of that one? Sam Loomis is like what Victor Frankenstein was to his monster, Frankenstein. And that's true. That's true. In this weird, twisted way, he's like this twisted Spengali with Michael. Like he understood Ooh. and knew how to manipulate certain things and possibly groomed him to have that mindset. So that is a good possibility that, you know, he did create Mike Myers. Ooh. So out of yeah, the ones, and that, that we've covered a few things. So Loomis creating Michael, Michael being an entity not human, but an entity like possession, or Mike having some type of undiagnosed, let's say psychological condition. Of those three, which do you believe? Oh, well, you know, being a paranormal investigator, you learn that energy can be created but never destroyed. So I feel that possibly Mike Myers is an entity all on his own. There is a word or description in our field that we call tulpa is when we create an entity and give it power and give it energy. And when it's most spoken of, much talked about, like we've seen with Slender Man, this is what we see with Mike Myers. So I want to say that Mike Myers is a walking, living, somewhat living entity that cannot be destroyed. He is evil energy that just cannot be destroyed. Kind of like Candyman. You just keep saying his name and then he stays existing. Yes. Nah, you don't even need to say his name. He just, he just shows up. Like, you know what? I'm out here. I'm out here in these streets and I am chaotic evil. Yes. Like that's... <laughs> he literally know. is. So I have theories about this, but even though the next Halloween movie coming out very soon mm-hmm. is called Halloween Ends. Is it though? <laughs> because this movie... I know, right? oh, no. This movie will not like... Like Mike Myers, this movie will not die. No. So what 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 do y'all think? Do you think that uh it's gonna continue? Absolutely. Like Scream, it will continue. Yeah. Because it's just too much. We're gonna start seeing like Mike Myers, what does he do in between Halloween? Like he's working on an Aldi, he's doing his taxes, like until Yeah, yeah. of course he's doing Christmas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's actually Santa in the mall. Yeah, he's Santa in the mall. Exactly. <laughs> But I feel like that legacy is always passed down to someone else, another character in that film. I think someone is going to be a mega fan or be obsessed with him and carry out like what he started. I think what should happen in the next one is Buster Rhymes, right? (laughs) Shows up, does the Wu-Tang style Kung Fu. Oh my God. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, NASA shows up and blasts him into space. And it's the only way we're going to get rid we of Michael now Mike at this Myers point. We haven't had Mike Myers in space yet? We haven't done that? Look, no, Jason we got Jason, though. Mike Myers Jason went in space. space. Okay. Yeah. 
Because that's literally what happened. Like, yes. somebody blasted Jason to outer space and then somebody found him. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the thing. And he killed an astronaut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. John Carpenter has quoted that it's not the end of the story, no matter oh, what man. the title says. And Jamie Lee Curtis is also, she hasn't confirmed nor really denied. Um, she's been very coy about it. So I don't, what do you think the next Halloween is going to be? Like, if there is another Halloween after Halloween ends, and he's mm. not on the moon, where else, <laughs> what, where else, what else could possibly happen? What's another scenario? Because I think Ooh. all of the children that he tried to kill have all grown up and tried to kill him, and now they're dead, to be a real estate agent in that town. We still have the granddaughter. That's true. So that curse can yes. be carried on to her, because there's only so many movies that, you know, Jamie's character can live through. <laughs> There's only so I'm many saying. of them. It's going to carry and walk with her. It's like that curse that we've seen in Scream with Nev Campbell's character. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen with the granddaughter. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think Lori's going to make it out of this next movie? I think she's going to sacrifice herself. I think she's like, it ends with both of us. Boom. You know, one of those, yeah. you know, Hollywood uh, scripts. You know, it's it ends with both of us. And then he sits up. <laughs> Right, and we and we all mourn her loss, and then he stands up and goes and does his taxes. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's like, "Okay, what do I do? <laughs> what do I do with my Yo, hands?" I gotta, I, look, I enjoy killing people, but you know these taxes ain't going ain't going to pay themselves. Yeah, I know. Like, we gotta do this. <laughs> <laughs> he goes out and adopts a cat. It's just, you know, goes from there. <laughs> awesome! Thank you so much. Please tell everybody where they can find you. Yes, you could find me on TikTok. I'm under Haunted LA Girl. And of course, you can follow me in my podcast, Hollyweird Paranormal Podcast, at Hollyweird Paranormal on Facebook and Instagram, and HWP Podcast on Twitter. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Sammy. You're very, very welcome. Thank you for having me. I bet you all didn't know that Halloween was made for really cheap. And if you did, you probably didn't know for how cheap. But before we get into that, let's jump into a segment we like to call This Week in Bad Decisions, where we talk about one character in a horror movie or show that does something dumb. So this week, I'm going to go to Halloween Kills, which is actually the most recent Halloween movie that's out. And... I'm sorry, I got to give it to Anthony Michael Hall, who plays Tommy Doyle, uh, (laughs) and his bat, Old Huckleberry. Because I have no idea why, after seeing everything that they threw at Mike Myers, why he thought a bat was going to make any difference. And, spoiler alert, that's why he catches it in this film, because there was literally no way a baseball Man. bat was going to go up against the shape of evil. You saw the dude get shot at. You saw him get, like, bullets contact. They dropped a house on him that was on fire in the first movie. Listen, that yeah, we're done. Like, why'd you think this baseball bat? What, because it had a little name? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. So who was your pick for uh, this week in Bad Decisions? Not just someone. Many people. Okay. Which is the entire town of Haddonfield, Illinois. (laughs) You said everyone. (laughs) Everyone. If I could, I will yell like Gary Oldman from The Professional. Everyone. (laughs) Everyone! Why did you stay in that town? Why didn't you just move? (laughs) Since 1978, what should have happened was right after the whole thing was done, 
They should have carpet bombed the whole entire town and just start over. Oh, my Change God. identities. I was no longer associated. But no, what we got was a whole bunch of people who's like, damn, he killed like seven people in one night. All right, I'm going to go eat this TV dinner and go watch some TV. That's what we got. Well, at one point, I do feel like Lori did change her name or move or something. Like, if you're looking at the whole pantheon of films. But oh, yeah. you're right. Every time he comes back, why are you still here? Why is that house still why? there? They abandoned the house. Why not just level it? And like, who the hell is going to buy that house after all the things that happened in it? Realtor talking about like, hey, you know, this is great, you know, fine. And, you know, this house is really cheap. What happened? Several people died here and some dude killed his sister when he was a kid. Nah, we good. You're not selling that house. Destroy it. Be done with it. <laughs> you said destroy it. <laughs> and not to mention in Halloween Kills, all the people who survived the whole thing literally came together every year after the events that happened in 1978. Like, it was like Victims Anonymous. Like, hi, my name is Tommy Doyle, and, you know, Michael tried to kill me. That's terrible. No, the like, whole thing what, is... what are we doing? Why is there a celebration for trauma? And that's the problem. And I think that's what it is. It, it attracts him. Like, all of the stuff that they're holding onto, they keep calling his name. They keep talking about him. See? So he just keeps coming back. That's like that's like my, my grandmother say, you know, don't say somebody's name too much times. You call up the devil. That's what happened. Y'all got together every year to do this. But that shit ain't work out for you too well, did it? Because at the end of Halloween Kills, all those survivors who lasted all those years since 1978, done. They Michael died. Michael said, Y'all are done. They, they died. Die. So I have no idea what's going to happen in this next movie. <laughs> exactly. So no matter what you think about the Halloween franchise, whether you love it or hate it, you cannot deny how it paves the way for other 80s slasher films like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Chuck, I, I know you have more. Yeah, there was plenty of them. I mean, you had like stuff like Sleepaway Camp. You had Slumber Party Massacre. You had My Bloody Valentine. What was the other one that used to really mess me up? Child's Play, I think, was another one. Because I think the thing that it did was it established these slasher tropes. Like, there was always, like, a scantily clad woman who couldn't run very fast that was screaming and running away. Yep. There was also, you know, the people who got killed were the promiscuous ones, the gay ones. Obviously, the black ones. All the black people. Yes. (laughs) You know... I think it was almost a commentary on society. Whatever society didn't like, you know, that would die. So on the one hand, you have this satanic panic where people thinking that these horror movies were all created by people who were possessed by the devil. And on the other hand, these directors were putting these sort of Christian values into the movies themselves, which is really interesting. It was really funny. They went after the dregs of society, Mm -hmm. those that they considered to be the dregs of society, I should say. And it was like every time there was like you had all these girls and, you know, a little slumber party and they had like scantily clad clothes and they're talking about the boys that they like. And all of a sudden here comes a dude with a giant guitar with a drill at the end of it talking about, "Mm, I'm going to take you out because you should be talking about boys and not having clothes on when you go to sleep. Right. And I mean, that's on Halloween, but that that trope. That's not but that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the other thing about Halloween that is just indicative of horror in general, is that mm. it was low budget. It was yeah. made for something like 300000 and ended up making close to like $50 million, It was $47 million. Yeah. $47 million just in the United States alone. But it was written in 10 days, shot in three weeks. Yeah. But that was what was so interesting and why horror movies became such a huge thing because they were really indie 
films. They had right. tiny, tiny budgets, but had the potential with the right distribution of making millions and millions of dollars. And Halloween still makes money, like 45 years later, you know. But I think that that's also, you know, credit to directors like John Carpenter, who actually took that budget and planned and did so much of it, so much to the point where, as far as cinema is concerned, people still try to replicate some of the things that they see in Halloween today. You know, we had it even going back to when we talked about The Shining before. It was like, you know, you saw Kubrick that went and did all of these wide shot things. And then you saw um, Mike Flanagan just go in there and do the same exact thing. And these kind of shots done on low budgets, these kind of little things that you throw in there as far as story and just trying to make it work, you know, did, in, in, in essence, Halloween is a very, very simplistic story. It, there's really no, the one thing, the allure about it, and like I said before, the darkness about it is Michael Myers becoming evil itself. It's evil self-aware. There is no, you know, order to it. It's chaotic evil. It's chaotic evil, right. That's all and it so, is. And I think the other thing that helped that evil stay scary, even though you knew he was going to kill again and again, right. is the score. And mm-hmm. I know you are a huge fan of the score because you oh, will yeah. not stop playing it. Yeah. I, listen, <laughs> listen, I have all of John Carpenter's soundtrack from Halloween to Big Trouble in Little China, to the thing, to the, everything that he's done. I have. This the is whole what he relaxes with. This is literally, like, it would be on right now if we weren't recording this podcast. Like, this is what he relaxes the, with, the this creepy is, movie. This the trick creepy, is, creepy soundtracks. Here's what I do. I try to play them and so she can get creeped out, so she can come over to me and be like, oh my God, yo, I feel like so scared all of a sudden. I was like, don't worry, baby, I got you. I was just trying yeah, to draw you in, baby. That's not what's happening. That is absolutely <laughs> not what's happening. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing that was really interesting is the fact that, you know, a lot of people know the lore about Mike Myers' mask and mm-hmm. how it was actually a Captain Kirk Star Trek mask that they altered. Like, they didn't have yeah. any money. They and they just money. altered this yeah. mask. And now it is the most famous creepy mask. Uh, like ever. Yes, in horror history. Just, and it's been referenced in everything. Simpsons, Baby Driver. Yep. And of course, you know, Stranger Things. Yeah, I mean, you know, Michael Myers, the most invincible white man, period, wearing the mask of the most charming white man from outer space. Is he, is he though? Is the he? The character that Ray Bradbury wrote, <laughs> I don't know about the actor. That's another podcast. Yeah. So, in true paranormal fashion, we're going to leave you with a clue as to what next week's episode is all about. Now, again, speaking of music, these are all musical clues. So, Mm -hmm. Chuck, what are they? They are Past the Duchy, The NeverEnding Story, and Girls on Film. If you think you know the answer, share your thoughts using the Pop Paranormal hashtag on Twitter and make sure you're following Travel Channel on Instagram and TikTok for more behind the scenes with us. As always, you can find me, Karima, a.k.a. The Blurred Girl, T-H-E-B-L-E-R-D-G-U-R-L, all over the interwebs. Uh, But I'm usually on Twitter and TikTok. And Chuck, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at bounce underscore comic. Pop Paranormal is produced by Neon Hum for the Travel Channel. 
You can follow our show wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love it if you could take a second to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 